Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahirabbilalamin wassalatu wassalamu ala asyrafil anbiya'i wal mursalin sayyidina wa nabiyyina wa maulana Muhammadin sallallahu alaihi wasallam wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Rabbi shrah li sadri wa yassir li amri wahlul 'uqdatam min lisani yafqahu qawli. Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma 'allamtana innaka antal alimul hakim. Allahumma 'allimna ma yanfa'una wa zidna 'ilma. Amin bi rahmatika ya arhamar rahimin. All praise and thanks are due solely to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Choices, peace, blessings and salutations upon our master and exemplar Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Ahlan wa sahlan wa marhaban bikum. I welcome you to another very difficult Jumu'ah broadcast in which we are actually uh, broadcasting from the masjid but without a uh, jama'ah because of the level 4 lockdown that, we, that we've been succumbed to. Um, we just decided that, you know, we'll continue with the Jumu'ah from the Masjid, albeit with the absolute minimum participants, uh, which is myself, as you could see, Mawlana Salim, who was reading for us uh, Surah Al-Kaf, may Allah Ta'ala reward him and bless him and all of us. And of course, uh, just two of the committee members, so we can have a Jama'ah. But other than that, the Masjid is, as you know, uh, closed. We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us in these difficult times uh, and protect our family and loved ones and grant all of those who are ill complete shifa, all of those who have passed on janatul firdaus and protect all of those who have not suffered from illnesses, be it COVID-19 or others, that Allah continues to grant us afia. It is not a, it is not an easy sickness. Uh, and this is regardless of whether one suffers from comorbidities or any of that. As we know, we've lost many, many loved ones. We've lost many ulama in this week. Um, we've lost uh, Sheikh Amiruddin the Toy. We've lost um, a number of others as well, you know. And every loss, regardless of the person being an alim or a hafiz, uh, it's a father, it's a mother. It's a son, it's a daughter, it's a brother, it's a sister. So many families are finding themselves in this great difficulty. What I also found is that after each difficulty, one has to almost gather oneself and find hope again, find the light again, find the mercy again, because it becomes increasingly difficult. It's like a compound effect. It becomes more and more difficult to see the light when you are exposed to so much darkness. And it is at times such as these that we are reminded that the great tribulation of this pandemic is not only a rahmah for the believers, but it is also an adab. And uh, as the Prophet said to Sayyida Aisha radiallahu anha that uh, a sickness such as this is an adab, it is a punishment with which Allah Ta'ala afflicts whomsoever he wishes, and it is a rahmah for the believers. But the nature of a punishment is that all those uh, who are there in the dunya around the punishment, they get affected. Even though it is not a punishment for them, they get affected. And every, every way in which they are affected, every difficulty that they face, if they are believers, is a means for them to actually have their sins forgiven. It is a means for them to actually uh, gain closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The musibah of losing someone important in and of itself, is a means of attaining Jannah. The Prophet ﷺ explained that any person who loses two children, who loses two children, 
and has to bury their two children. That's Jannah for them. And then Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu anha would ask about what about one child? And Rasulullah would assure her, yes, one child as well. And then she asked, what about uh, somebody who doesn't lose any children? And then Rasulullah said that my loss to the ummah is sufficient for them. That's, that is sufficient as a loss for the ummah. And if that is sufficient, then we can understand how losing these important individuals in our lives is of, it's, it's, it's almost inexplicable. As you know, recently uh, I lost my teacher. And again, it's not just a personal loss. The, the type of anguish that I feel at this moment is about how vulnerable we are as a community. When great scholars are taken away, we are exposed because when fitan uh, come our way, uh, we generally turn to these scholars for guidance, for help, for assistance. Of course, we turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first and foremost, but Allah has endowed these individuals with the abilities, with the skills to be able to assist the community in times of great difficulty. So we find ourselves exposed. So today I thought, you know, subhanAllah, it's very important that we find the light amidst the darkness. But how do you find the light amidst the darkness when it just feels like you're being overwhelmed by darkness? How do you find the nur? How do you find the guidance when you yourself are suffering and you yourself are uh, finding it increasingly difficult to reach Allah, to, to uh, be willing and enthusiastic to go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And that, inshallah ta'ala, is the focus of uh, this particular uh, Jumu'ah broadcast. First and foremost, do not associate yourselves with the negative people in this world. We don't need that right now. Something that I found uh, a big problem, a big problem recently is the so-called algorithm. Right? So youth would know what this is referring to, and perhaps those who are a bit tech savvy. When you expose yourself to certain things online, even, even just in conversation because your phone actually is able to, to listen to, to words in your conversation and save that. So next time you go online, whatever you've been associating yourself with, whatever you've been speaking about, whatever you've been looking at online, the algorithms of the various platforms are designed to feed you more of that. So... As an example, if you go to YouTube and you watch one lecture about conspiracy theories and about how, um, you know, this is a big ploy to whatever the case may be, just one. The next time you go to YouTube or Facebook or any of the other platforms, you are going to find a plethora of similar lectures on the same topic. And then if you watch another one, it gets even worse. And it becomes like this deep, dark, pitless, uh, a bottomless pit of a rabbit hole. And you'll go deeper down that pit, drowning yourself in this negativity, right? And it doesn't only work with this. It works on in basically everything. If you start watching videos on uh, smartphone, cell phone reviews, for example, you will be bombarded with cell phone reviews from that point onwards. And this is the, the nature of the algorithm. Now, what's interesting is that life and our social structure works in exactly the same way. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would teach us that being alone is better than having bad company. But having good company trumps all. So for, to find the light in this time of darkness, uh, surround yourself. Obviously now we're going to say, well, you can't literally surround yourself because of social distancing and the like. But you know, we, we all know that there are ways and means around this. 
right? We, we've spoken about this several times before. Surround yourself with those who can inspire you with positivity, who can bring that sense of light again. People who have gratitude as one of the intrinsic qualities so that their qualities may rub off on you. The Prophet والسلام, uh, compared the good friend to the one who, who, who sells perfume or atr, right? Itr. If you have if you have a friend who sells perfume and you spend time with that friend, even though you don't touch the perfume, you don't go near to the perfume, chances are you will smell good because of being in that friend's company. Similarly, he explains وسلم, that the company of negative people is like spending time with a blacksmith. Right? Not that blacksmiths are bad people, but they're going to be around furnaces. They're going to be around a lot of smoke and coal and intoxicating fumes. And just by being around that person, you will also be uh, sort of contaminated by those odors. So it's not neutral. The company we keep and the things that we do has an effect on us. And as much as it may seem logical to, you know, just let your hair down and when you're feeling down, just crawl out, uh, rather crawl under the blankets and uh, start streaming movies and series and binge watching until you can forget about your sorrows. We've all experienced this before. As much as we try, that is never a solution to get out of our misery. That's never a solution to get away from negativity and towards positivity because when we are done with that, we actually feel worse. And the reason for this is that the qalb, that very thing that we are trying to satisfy, that very thing that we are trying to bring contentment to, is actually negatively affected by that type of indulgence. The qalb, as Allah designed it, is only going to be affected positively by engaging in those things that our nafs, you know, doesn't actually want to engage in. And to sum it up, it's those positive things that connect us to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why even though you're having a really bad day, for many people, it feels unpleasant to go and recite the Quran, or to go and make dua, or to go and perform salah, because the nafs, having this bad experience and being in this negative rat, the nafs does not want to engage in those activities, even though the qalb needs it. And this is the unfortunate circumstance when the qalb and the nafs are at loggerheads with each other. And when the qalb and the nafs are at loggerheads with each other, what we need to do is fight through that nafs, battle that nafs, kick that nafs down and refuse to give in and obey the qalb. And just a little bit of that, we will find that the heart finds peace. The heart finds, uh, finds tranquility. The heart finds contentment. And it is under these circumstances that I believe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Hadith Qudsi tells us that we just need to take one step towards Allah and Allah will take 10 steps towards us. If we come to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a hand span, he comes to us an arm's length. If you come to him a great distance, he comes to us an even greater distance. If we come to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala walking, he comes to us running. All we need to do is reach out to Allah in a little, in our little uh, weak way. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will come to us. To find light in times of darkness, we need to make sure that we are able to sift through the plethora of information and uh, the, in, the, the inundation 
of negative words, negative uh, pictures, negative videos, negative images that comes to us. We need to sift through these things. And false news is a big part of that. The Quran addresses this concept frequently, that if a sinner comes to you with information, then clarify that information. Go and find uh, a source that can put you know, the, the suspicion to rest. Do not follow dhan. Stay away from dhan false thoughts or suspicions or uh, just feelings of, of no basis whatsoever. Don't follow that. It's an interesting story, actually, um, that happened to me two days ago, and I'm going to use this opportunity as a, as a warning as well, uh, because it relates to the old concept of when news comes to you or information comes to you, how do you react? How do you deal with it? Because many of us are receiving all sorts of messages and so on. And it's poisonous. It's poisonous to our mind. It's poisonous to our heart because it creates confusion. And the confusion isn't beneficial whatsoever. Because regardless of whether the information is somewhat, has some truth in it or not, the reality doesn't change. People are still ill. People are still dying. We are still sitting with great economic constraints. We are still suffering spiritually because we are... Uh, deprived of these opportunities of jama'ah, it doesn't change the reality. So of what benefit would the false news and false information be? There's no benefit whatsoever. Reading through endless posts, news articles, okay, not really news articles, but Facebook posts, watching clips, etc., about all the different theories and conspiracies, it's not beneficial at all. And now somebody might say, yes, but you need to inform yourself we have to ask, you know, in any logical uh, system, is that really informing oneself? Now, Islam has a beautiful system called Isnad, chain of transmission. And it works in a very logical way. If some news comes to you, you ask a question, does this have a source? Or is this just, you know, pie in the sky? Does it have a source? What's the nature of the source? Who is the source? Who do I find in this chain of transmission? And can this information be corroborated? Three simple steps. So the, the story is this. It's actually very funny and uh, um, it's very interesting. So the day before yesterday, in the middle of the day, I received a phone call. Now I have an app on my phone called Truecaller. So even if I don't have the number of the person calling me saved in my phone book, I still see a name right? Under most circumstances, I still see a name. So a name appears on my phone and it says Dave someone. Dave, the surname began with a P. I, I, I forget what the surname was. So I'm thinking, you know, generally I don't get phone calls from individuals uh, such as this, with, uh, with this type of name rather. I think you can understand what I'm trying to say. But maybe it's in response to a Gumtree ad or it's a, a, you know, incorrect dial or something of that nature. So I answer the phone. And then the person introduces himself as warrant officer, and then he gives a name, sort of Afrikaner name, and he sounds a bit Afrikaans, but also like colored Afrikaans. And he says he's warrant officer, so and he's calling me from Mowbray Police Station. So already I'm thinking, this is not the name that came on my phone, so the isnad is already problematic, because this person is going under a false name now. And then I proceed to listen to the person. He says, look, are you in a, are you in a private situation? Can you actually speak? So I said, yes, go ahead. And then he tells me that they're busy dealing with a case of fraud here. A lady was arrested with false bills. I'm thinking, yes, Salam, is this my wife? Is this my mother? What's happening? 
But at the same time, I still need to hear the rest of the story because already there's suspicion about who's this information coming from. He says he's warrant officer so-and-so, but uh, the name on the phone said different. And also I need to verify that this is actually warrant officer so-and-so because I am not just going to accept information from every Tom, Dick and Harry, especially when it's of such uh, importance. And the story gets even funnier. So he says that this lady claims that I was her last client. You're going to be very shocked at what type of client I was. And uh, they caught this lady with this, these false bills and they received my phone number from her. And I'm trying to think now, what could this be? Because I've recently been exposed to a case, of, a genuine case of fraud. So I thought this may be in relation to that, not with me, but I thought this may be in relation to this particular case. Anyways, the guy clarifies that the lady is in fact a prostitute and I apparently was her last client. And the date of, on which that I was a last client was on the 15th of April. And now I'm thinking, okay, now obviously this is weird. But knowing the world that we live in today, if you get accused, officially accused uh, of, of something like this, it's obviously going to ruin your reputation if it's genuine. What's worse is that the guy says she's laying a case of fraud and rape against me. Na'udhu billah. And then already the story didn't make sense even further because if, she, if I was a client, why would I be paying her and then do that criminal act as well? So anyway, uh, the guy then continues to say that he can't reveal the nature of it, but they're going to be arresting me in a half an hour's time. But he has the ability to clear this up because he can see that I'm a law-abiding citizen and a family man and so on. So I said, okay, I'm listening because now I want to know what is he getting at? Because by now, I'm convinced this is, of course, a scam. And he says, um, well, uh, I, I can't reveal you know, the information here. But if you'd like me to assist you to clear this up, we can meet. We can meet. So he wanted to meet with me. In, in he says a place, and it was a public place, he said. Um, and then he can give me the docket and he can tell me the information and clarify this whole thing. And of course, at this time, I said, uh, well, I'm not really interested. So let them come and arrest me. It's fine. And then he was, of course, uh, shocked. Why would I react like this? If somebody calls you and says that they're a policeman phoning from a police station and giving you all this information, he's, you have the opportunity to free yourself. He says, look here, you're going to be sitting in court for the next five to six years. I said, well, go ahead. And um, eventually I told him at this point, look, I tell you what, I'll take your service to clear my name, just give me the chance to go and uh, call Mowbray Police Station and find out if you actually work there. No, 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 don't do that because I'm putting my job on the line. I'm putting my job on the line here for you, you know, uh, because I'm some amazing person, I guess. And um, at that point, I just switched the phone off and he tried to phone me back again. But this process, this could have thrown anyone off. Right, It could have thrown any person of who wants to be accused of this, who wants to go and sit in court, if this is even remotely a chance of happening. But the Isnad was weak because I don't know who this person is. Number two, the information couldn't be corroborated because he wouldn't allow me to actually phone Mowbray Police Station and corroborate it. And number three, the person himself, his identity on true caller and his identity according to what he said on the phone is completely disparate. So according to even the Islamic, basic Islamic rules of checking the authenticity of something, this fell through the wayside. And I said, no, there's no way that this is true. And I carried on. Unfortunately, 
with less shocking news, we would receive a WhatsApp message. So many people would be willing to believe that because someone sent it to them and it looks official on WhatsApp. And not only that, they'd be willing to be part of that isnad and transmit it to other people. Now, in times of darkness, this is not a source of light. This is another source of darkness. May Allah protect us. So amidst all of this darkness that we face, what can we do to spiritually boost ourselves? SubhanAllah, today we sit and there's no Jumu'ah for the overwhelming majority of people except those who perform Jumu'ah at home. And of course, we know it's a bit different. There's no Jama'ah Salah. Things are difficult. How do we get ourselves out of this? Now, a few very basic elements that we need to take much more serious during this, uh, this time that we find ourselves in is number one, istighfar. Istighfar, seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness is essential right now. As mundane as it may seem, as, you know, Illogical as it may seem, we're going through this difficulty, but you must make istighfar. I mean, it doesn't make sense. No, it makes perfect sense. Two reasons. Number one, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that Nabi Nuh said to his people, Oh my people, istaghfiru rabbakum innahu kana ghaffara. Oh my people, seek the forgiveness of your Lord. He is the most forgiving. He will send down the heavens upon you, the rain. Now, of course, Allah is already sending the rain, literally. But the connotation here, the nuances of meaning, also includes the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will come down. Because the rain represents rahmah, and the rahmah of Allah will overflow. And He will... He will overwhelm you with wealth, with children. In other words, the difficulties that you will be going through will be overturned, insha'Allah. He will give you gardens and he will give you rivers. Allah will give you of his bounty. Furthermore, we said that this is a type of punishment that the world is facing, even though it's a mercy for the believers. And Allah says, to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya Rasulullah. O Messenger of Allah, Allah will not punish the people while you are among them. Now, of course, physically, he's not among us, right, in, in a certain sense. But if we bring his sunnah alive, he can be among us in our lives. And more importantly and more directly, Allah will not punish them while they are making istighfar. Wallahi all of us should have a daily supplementation of istighfar. As many of us are taking vitamin C supplements, vitamin D supplements, uh, zinc supplements, any immune booster supplements, I'm asking right now, since the time that the pandemic started, what supplements have we been taking for our souls? What supplements have we been taking for our arwah, for our qulub, to make up for the loss that we've been facing, such as the closure of masajid and so on? Do we realize that there are some people, and of course, there's no blame on them for this, but since the very first lockdown up until today, there are some people who have never, ever been back to Jumu'ah. It's not a blame on them. In terms of sh sharia, that there are circumstances under which the, that is understandable if the person has comorbidities and so on. So we're not blaming them per se, but imagine what that does to one's soul. 
if for two years you had no Jumu'ah, no Jama'ah Salah, no injection of Taqwa for the week, imagine what that does to the heart. Where everything else is going on, work is going on, family is going on, stress is going on, money issues are going on, uh, materialism is going on, movies, music, entertainment is going on. But the one thing that's not going on is your deen, your connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What we are doing is suffocating ourselves. And as much as we would like to blame the circumstances that we are under, no, wallahi, it is never the circumstance that Allah will hold us accountable for. It is our reaction to those circumstances. And I was reminded recently of Surah Al-Fajr, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us this in a beautiful way. And there's many verses that, that sort of teach us the same lesson. So in Surah Al-Fajr, Allah ta'ala teaches us that when he showers us with his, with his benefits, with his gifts, then we say, in Rabbi Akraman, my Lord has honored me, my Lord has been good to me, my Lord has treated me well. But when Allah constrains our situation. Uh, he even restricts our a Then people say, oh no, my Lord has disgraced me. So under the situation that you are currently in, the great difficult test, we look at our situation and then we can blame Allah or we can blame the ulama or we can blame the government or we can blame the virus or we can blame the times in which we live. But no, Wallahu subhanahu wa ta'ala a'lam that we will not be held accountable for the circumstances that we have no control over. But we will be held accountable for how we respond to those circumstances. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, says in the next part of the surah, Kalla, bal la al Now stop looking at what Allah did and what they did and I've been this and I'm the victim and I'm the victim and we the victim. No, leave that. Leave that. You did not feed the orphan. You did not encourage the feeding of the poor. You did not honor the orphan. You, didn't, you weren't kind to them. You didn't go out of your way to do good for others. You didn't encourage the feeding of the poor. Not even you didn't feed the poor because maybe you don't have, but you could have at least assisted with service and encouragement towards the feeding of the poor. And you were just consuming and consuming and consuming materialism. I need more of this, more of that, more of this, more of that. That's all that you were concerned with in that time, says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And your love for wealth continues to grow. You love wealth tremendously. You love it with your whole self. Your objective of life is the attainment of wealth, says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah goes on to tell us, no, no. When the reality of Qiyamah hits, then you will see. Now, the lesson that I take from these ayat, as harsh as the ayat may come across, is the fact that when we find ourselves under constrained circumstances, it is then that the best source of light that we can find is the source that we create. The ultimate source of nur, of inspiration, of motivation, of mahabba, of, you know, just upliftment around us is not the source that we go and seek out. It's the source that we create 
by being the means for others to be uplifted. So go out there, find the people who need you the most and speak to them with words of encouragement, as simple as that. Go and find the person who needs the extra money that we have that we're going to buy takeaways with this weekend. And go and find that family that won't even have a slice of bread this weekend. Go find that person who's sitting in the deepest, darkest rut that he's ever found himself or herself in. And go and remove that person from their rut. Wallahi, your rat will just melt away and dissipate. Understand that whatever difficulty, whatever trial, whatever tribulation we are going through, when we open up our eyes to those around us, and look beyond our own selves, we will see all of the ni'ma, all of the ni'am rather, the favors that Allah has actually bestowed upon us. Because so easily do we overlook the positive to identify and magnify the negative. To find the source of nur in our lives, we don't have to go far. We don't have to go and surf the net. We don't have to even leave the comforts of our home. All we need to do is look within and find Allah and link ourselves to Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of the rest. We can and we will get through this. And we will be able to grow and learn from this. But it requires for us to be mature about our response to the great trial and tribulation around us. So let's be that source of nur for everyone else. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us, grant us the tawfiq and the hidayah, grant us safety, grant us afiyah, through these difficult times. Allahumma inna na'udhu bika min al-barasi wal-jununi wal-judami wa min sayyi al-asqamu. Allah protect us from the pandemic, from illnesses, protect our family, our children, our loved ones, protect the elderly, protect the vulnerable, the weak. Oh Allah, all those who are suffering because of the cold weather here in our uh, beautiful city and the rain who have no shelter, grant them relief and comfort and shelter. Oh Allah, all of those who are going through deep grief and sorrow for the loss that they may have faced or the losses which they may, may have faced in recent times and continue to face, grant them sabr and contentment in their hearts. Oh Allah, grant that we find that source of nur in our own lives and that we become the sources of nur for those around us. Oh Allah, allow that this situation and this pandemic be a true source of rahmah for the believers that when we come out of this, as we emerge from this, that we emerge with stronger iman, with a stronger connection to you, Ya Rabbal Alameen. Oh Allah, grant us sincerity and ikhlas and remove us from the fitan that up until now we've been indulging in simply to try and numb uh, our, our sorrows and numb our grief and numb our difficulties. Oh Allah, please show us the way that we truly can overcome those things in a positive way that you will be pleased with. It will bring us closer to you, bring us closer to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa sallallahu ala sayyidina Muhammad subhanallah wa bihamdi subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilaik. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.